our market is down 33% in transaction volume and our team will double in production. But the number one reason to that is if you're a team owner, uh, you, you just have to add agents onto the team, right? That's, that's going to be the number one re- way to scale your business. And you just have to have a business model and a financial model that works. So, you know, once you have that, then all you have to do is add fuel to the fire and, and, and the thing will grow rapidly. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rockstars podcast. I am Shelby Johnson, and I am here with Philip Kang, who is a team leader out of Fullerton, California. He's closed over 350 million in real estate volume. And back before real estate, Philip served in the army and then shifted into the real estate business at first on the mortgage side of the house. This is back in 2006. And after experiencing some highs and some lows, he pivoted into real estate sales full-time and has been growing and evolving that business for the past 10 years. And now his team of six agents are on track to close 70 million in volume this year. And what's up, Philip? I am so excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Shelby. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been a longtime listener, so honored to be on the show. Too. That's like one of my favorite is when listeners are on the show and they're like, I've been listening forever. It's like such a cool moment. Um, okay, Philip, there are two main things that I want to dig into today. The first of which is how you use virtual assistants, because I know there's so many agents out there who are interested in using virtual assistants. They've heard it's something that they should do. And you are, you guys are on track to close 70 million this year. And if I understand correctly, you guys just have two virtual assistants as manpower. Is that correct? That's correct. Our entire operation on the back end um, is run by two virtual assistants and they they handle every aspect of our back, back end of our business. Um, so there's nothing that they don't handle uh, from transactions to making websites for listings to communicating with their clients, keeping them up to date. So they do it all. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that is really exciting. Can we get like into the weeds with that? So are they both like, do they work together on the same aspects or do they have separate lanes in which they tackle in your business and what's in those lanes? So the transact one predominantly handles the transactions. And if, if there is a situation where, you know, we have a lot of files going in, uh, pending in one month, let's say there's over 20 transactions, then uh, she'll get some assistance with the second VA, but she's also kind of like the manager for the second VA. The second VA um, handles uh, support for the transaction manager, and but her main role is assisting agents with their CRM. Uh, we use a platform a software called Sisu to track all the data in our business, so she helps input all the data into that system. Uh, when an agent has a new listing, they help uh, get the MLS listing started. They'll make the property website, the flyers. So she'll handle all of that, even all the social media. So supporting the agent so that they can focus on production is really what she's focused in. And the other VA focuses on handling all the transaction management, the TC work, as you would call it. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Um, if I'm listening, I'm like, okay, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. But it probably didn't start out that way. So where it let's start from the very beginning. Like if someone is interested in um hiring a virtual assistant, where would they go to do that? So the what the there's a lot of different places you can go to. The place that I like best 
Um, there's a website called onlinejobs.ph. Um, so we have a pro version um, in that account. So actually, I also have a third VA. Um, used to be in-house, but I use a third-party company, and that's the ISA that we use. So I forgot to mention the third VA who does just the prospecting side of things. So we run off three VAs. Uh, but onlinejobs.ph is what I like to use. And you really have to define the role that you need. Uh, and the important thing about it is you want to hire someone that already has the skill sets that you're looking for. And if they are client facing, the most important aspect aside from their abilities are because you don't want to train them how to do the job. Uh, there's plenty of VAs out there that have TC experience, for example. Um, and the next criteria for us, which is the most important, is their um, their verbal skills, their communication skills, right? So I have all the applicants send us a voice recording with their resume, and that's the number one filter for us. Super smart, the voice recording, because you know that's what I was going to ask. I'm like, okay, so we go to onlinejobs.ph, which I've actually heard from many people that that's like mm -hmm. the place to go. And at this, point, <laughs> at this point, you have like some idea of a duty description. And I mean, hypothetically, we could just go with the, the TC route right now. But like, did you write out the description or did you just search and find that there already existed or what did that look like? Yeah, I, I've been using VAs for a while, so I knew there were a lot of TCs, TCVAs. Um, but you know, in the past, I always used someone in the states. But I will tell you, there's a higher turnover rate using um, U.S.-based local transaction managers or transaction coordinators because for a lot of people, that's like a stepping stone, and training them is a lot of work. And there's just a lot of. Uh, and when they're in the office, it actually ties you down to um, supporting them in a lot of different ways. Whereas VAs, uh, you know, once you train them, they're pretty self-sufficient. So um, we had that description dialed in. And, you know, I know this comes later, but our, our gift for our listeners actually makes it a lot easier for them to train their VAs. So excited to share that with everyone. Yeah, if you want um, to just at least briefly talk about what is on the toolbox that everyone can get at realestaterockstarsnetwork.com slash toolbox, uh, what is the part that pertains to the, the virtual assistants? So if you hire, the, the fastest way you can hire your VA without increasing your cost basis is you, you calculate the amount that you're caught paying your broker for TC fees. So if you're doing, you know, three deals a month, paying $300 a file, you can actually hire your own VA. Um, and the gift that we have for you all is a uh, email template. So every time your VA opens an escrow or closes an escrow or you know, requests an update from anybody, uh, we have about, I'm guessing about 50 different email templates. And all it makes it really easy for them to copy and paste the emails so that there's no grammatical errors and things like that. And it'll help them learn the way you can communicate. So it's really easy to onboard a TC. It took us a lot of time to customize this. So uh, you hire someone, give them that, that, uh, those email templates and you'll be off and running pretty quickly. When you're hiring someone, are you hiring for like a year? Are you hiring like 30 days? Like what does that conversation look like with the virtual assistant who is already trained hypothetically in whatever role it is, already has proven that they have the verbal skills? What is the 
the next step for onboarding and then how long they stay with you? Well, you will know pretty quickly whether someone's going to work out or not. Um, I was actually listening to another podcast and, and Ben Kinney said, hey, when I hire someone, I hire them for 30 days and, and then I evaluate them. So that's that's really what we took that and ran with it. So when we hire a new VA, uh, they have 30 days to to show us how they work and we'll know whether or not they're going to last. And it, it takes us a few hires. So you go through a few um, to, to weed out the, the, the ones that aren't going to work. But once you find the ones that work out for your team, it's going to be a huge advantage for you. Okay. So if I'm listening to this and I'm like mm-hmm. trying to practically think through how I'm going to hire someone. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, you could probably Google the duty description that you're looking for, mm-hmm. or let's say hypothetically, um, it's not the transaction coordinator. Cause that's a really common mm-hmm. one. All mm-hmm. of these other roles, like how do you know what to hire out to a virtual assistant and what to keep for yourself? That's a great question. So what the way you figure out what to hire out is I think everyone needs to write out everything that is involved in their day-to-day tasks for ideally one week. And you want to write out every all the different tasks and you have to separate them from things that you like doing and things that you don't like doing. And then you also have to have another uh, marker that indicates, hey, is this a high dollar producing activity or is this not a high dollar producing activity? So if it's something that is a high dollar producing activity and it's something that you enjoy doing, absolutely, you know, um, you should keep doing that. But if it's something that you can hire out and have a VA do, then you should first record a Loom video of you or your assistant actually doing that task. And then when you train them, and that's another thing I love doing. I, I love using Loom for everything. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the best tools out there, in my opinion. I agree. I love Loom. Mm-hmm. And it's free. So. Yeah. Real quick, as you likely know, the 2024 Real Estate Rockstars Mastermind is sold out. But if one of your preferred vendors is looking for marketing opportunities, we are looking for sponsors. We would love to get their name and business out to 80 highly motivated real estate agents from across the country. Know someone who'd be interested? Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and shoot us a quick email for more information. Thanks so much. Back to the show. So, okay, so you're you're going through your week. Like step one, I don't have a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. I'm not even thinking about transaction coordinator, I, or maybe I am. I'm going through my week and I'm writing down everything I do, and mm-hmm. I'm categorizing it into what I like, what I don't like, what's dollar producing, what's not. So now I have my list. I have my list of my things that I don't like doing and aren't mm-hmm. dollar producing, and then. The next week, hypothetically, I go through that list. And as I'm doing those tasks, I record Loom videos of myself doing it, probably talking it through. Because then once you go on to onlinejobs.ph and you write out, here are the list of the things that I'm trying to hire out. Then when they come to you, you have a essentially like a built-in training for them. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And you want to make things duplicatable, right? So we like making templates on Canva, right? So if you're, you should never, in my opinion, a real estate agent should never spend hours per week making a custom flyer or a custom website or doing a bunch of design work. You can do it once, create your templates, 
And then it should be something that's a duplicatable process every single time. So that'll save you time and it'll make your VA a lot more efficient as well. And if you have that template down, you know, even if they are not the most creative person out there, they'll be able to make it exactly the way you want every single time. I have my process that I've mm-hmm. written out, my mm-hmm. templates, whatever. And I think I found the correct virtual assistant online jobs.ph because she mm-hmm. sent me this amazing voice message. How do I, what do I go from there? Okay. So once you have, so once you post a job ad on onlinejobs.ph, you're going to probably get about 300 resumes coming in uh, over like a two week period. So you listen to all the voice recordings and then you feel, narrow it down to the five or 10 people that you want to interview. Um, so they have to, we make sure they have the right verbal skills if they are going to be client facing uh, and, you know, and the right skill sets, you interview five to 10 of them, and then you just hire them. You have to take a chance. If they work out, great. If not, you got to do it again or go to the next person. Are you hiring them by job or is this like hourly from the beginning? On a monthly, yeah, we're giving them a job. So it's a full-time job for them. Okay. So like, it's not like they're tracking hours and you're paying them out as they work. You are saying this is your set, essentially salary or 1099 or whatever. Okay, and, mm-hmm. and I don't want you to put all their stuff on blast, but what is the approximate cost for the full-time virtual assistant for a quality one that you're finding on onlinejobs.ph? Yeah, that's a great question. So a quality VA will cost you about $900 US um, starting off. So about 50,000 Filipino pesos. And they're on what's called a 13th month's pay schedule. So every December, they get two months pay. So they get a bonus. But if they start in June, that's prorated. So they'll get like a 50% bonus in December. So that's how it works in the Philippines. Um, so, you know, for about $900 a month, you start them off. And if, if they, and, and we give them frequent bonuses and pay raises so that, they stay loyal to us because if you have a great VA who's trained, you know, you don't want to give them any kind of reason to leave you. So absolutely. Because turnover is like the hardest thing ever. Just when you have people the way you like it and your systems are running, if there's like a change, you're like, no, not good. That's the pay point of the business. So you've come to terms, you've agreed on the money, you've agreed on the position itself. And now when they're onboarding in your position, what does the training look like in the beginning? Like how much time are you investing and how much, how much are you talking to them every single day? So if you don't have an admin to start with, you know, the more you recorded, the less you'll have to do in person. But the first, you know, there's a lot of growing pains with that, right? So the first two months, I would say you're very much involved. And while you're training them, that first person that you hire might not even work out for you. So make sure you're recording your trainings and, uh, you know, the next person could just watch the videos and get up to speed a lot faster. So you're telling me you can't just like throw money at the problem and then it just goes away. (laughs) There's actually growing things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. That's how it goes. Right. So, but you make that commitment, uh, and it, and for us, that's really our superpower. Like our, our VA allows us to do so much. And if you really think about it, for what you would have to pay one person, uh, the, you know, locally, and for us in SoCal, 
that that rate for one good hire is probably you know seventy eighty thousand per year minimum, and we're able to get multiple people doing various tasks um, and still be much lower than that on an annual basis. So, gives us a lot of leverage, competitive advantage, and we use those resources on marketing, and that's what's allowing us to crush it. One last question on the virtual assistants before we pivot is. In the beginning of those two months, at least, of growing pains, you mentioned they might not be the right fit. So how do we know that they're not the right fit definitively? Because people make mistakes, you know, they're just learning. Like, what are the Mm -hmm. factors where you're like, I know now that this is not the right fit? Well, the right fit will show up and they won't make excuses. You know, if someone, especially over there, if they tell you, you know, if they give you multiple excuses per week, that's not going to work out. And if your gut tells you, hey, this person doesn't have the right characteristics of the type of person that we want to hire, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't compromise on that. Real quick, before we get back to the episode, two things I wanted to share. First, thank you so much for tuning in week after week. It really means the world to all of us. Second, we feel like we're just getting started. If you enjoy what we do here, please follow us on this app, share an episode, or give us a quick review. I promise we're working hard behind the scenes to make this show as good as possible now and into the future. Thanks guys, back to the show. Okay, makes sense. Okay, the next part of your business that I find super fascinating is the fact that you guys track every aspect of lead generation and conversion. Because, you know, we talked about it before we hit record, you know, a lot of agents will track the money that they spend Mm -hmm. on marketing our leads, but not necessarily the time associated to that. So Mm -hmm. could you share with us what your process is for your financial tracking, especially in regard to the marketing piece of your business? Um, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to lead gen, a lot of agents will, and we did the same thing, right? We'll, we'll go for something that is, you know, a very low cost per lead, but you would have to nurture it for a year and you would have like a 1% conversion rate. And once you start tracking how much time you spend per conversion, you realize like some of these lead sources that cost more for the opportunity are actually a lot cheaper because, you know, some lead sources, you just take the phone call and the appointment set for you, you go show some properties and you're in escrow pretty quickly. So we like to focus on activities that are more bottom of the funnel and it allows our agents to stay busy. What are those activities? So for us, there's three things that three lead pillars that the agent absolutely must do if, if they're to be on our team. The first one is they have to work their database. If they don't have a database, they have to replace that with prospecting. Number two, they have to hold open houses because that's another lead source that will always find you uh, potential clients who are bottom of the funnel. And the third thing is we, we actually offer our team members great leads. Uh, we spend heavily on Zillow. We just made a partnership with uh, Mojo Pro Plus. Uh, and we still do some Google Google ads and stuff like that, only because there are teams that are getting cut off Zillow Flex and Zillow Premier. So we don't want to be too dependent on them. However, uh, those are our main lead sources, and we make sure they're very efficient at converting those leads. And the fourth lead source, the fourth pillar, uh, is we help agents find their superpower. 
So whether you're a door knocker or a prospector or your theme might be YouTube videos or social media, we kind of give you free reign because we don't want to force you to do anything that you're not going to implement. Uh, that's that's fast way to be uh, unproductive. So uh, we help nurture that as well. How do you track the time spent in these activities? And we can just pick one if it would be more simple. You know, uh, with open houses, it's very simple because you track how many open houses they did and you can figure out how much time they spent and you look at how many deals came from that. So it's a very easy one to track when it comes to uh, their sphere of influence. You know, we track the number of conversations on our CSU and that's, that's really the only way we can measure that. But the, the big thing is what we went away from. And I know a lot of people, and I'm not saying this doesn't work, but in the past we would, be really heavy on like Google and Facebook leads. And I think we just weren't that great at converting those lead sources. However, uh, what would happen is the cost per lead ended up being a lot higher than I thought, because in order to be more efficient, you would need different services and I don't want to name them out, but it would cost, you know, you spend $1,500 on a CRM and $1,500 on another service that helps you nurture those leads. And then you hire an ISA. Now that lead source isn't $10 per lead, right? It's like the cost basis is a lot higher than that. What you really want to focus on is just generating a lot of contacts, which is what you call leads and, and make it so that technology is able to nurture it at a very low cost and uh, your agents actually work it. So, you know, that those, and, and it's, also, another thing is how long, what's the average nurture period before a lead converts and what percentage is converting? So that, you know, using those metrics, you know, we, we track how much time is spent and whether something is worth investing into or not. And is all of this tracked through your CRM, which was it, how do, what is your CRM? <laughs> Sisu? So we use Chime. That's our CRM. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, Chime's a great CRM. There's a lot of other great ones out there, but uh, we use uh, our tech stack consists of Chime, Curator, and Sisu, which has been great. Okay, Chime, CRM. What are the others? Mm -hmm. Curator. So Curator it handles our front-end website. It handles our email marketing. It integrates with Chime, and it also integrates with Sisu. So uh, works beautifully together. And it and Curator allows us to replace multiple different things that we had in place before, like click funnels and uh, having a custom website and uh, having something like a MailChimp. So it combines all of those things and and the website looks great as well. And it, it the functionality is great. Ooh, hit us. What is your website so listeners can go check it out? So it's homereadyteam.com homereadyteam.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I really mm -hmm. like what you're saying about how, um, whether it's, it's lead, you know, when people are like, oh, $10 a lead, but then you don't think about the creep of all of the other little expenses that just add mm -hmm. up. And before you know it, when you check your financials, you're like, this is not $10 a lead. Um, and I do, I also love how you said that Curator was a good um, way for you to minimize ClickFunnels and MailChimp and website because less is more. If you can find a piece of technology that does all of the things that you're piecing together, and you know, it just makes you such a more efficient 
operator. Um, mm -hmm. What is Sisu? What is that one? Sisu. <laughs> yeah, Sisu is a great piece of software and it allows you to track everything. So uh, it integrates with different types of software that we utilize, like our dialer, our CRM. And agents are able to see how many conversations it takes to set one appointment and it and they're able to track how many appointments they need to set to meet a certain amount of people and how many com contracts it leads to. But it allows us to track every aspect of our business. It, even from a financial standpoint, we can see um, you know, what the ROI is on different lead sources from a cost basis. And um, it really is like having a CFO for your business um, and having a piece of software run that for you. So. Uh, we we have a saying called lead with data, so it's it's very efficient when you uh, when you're doing a one on one with an agent on your team and you're showing them all the metrics and and it'll tell you where they showed up and where they're not showing up. So, uh, Sisu is is really one of my favorite tools. Can you spell that for me, please? Yeah, it's S I S U. So their their website is S I S U dot C O. Because that sounds very interesting to me. And is it, the, so the website, you just create an account, whatever, and then you link all of your, you know, bank statements, you link your CRM, or how does it work to track all this data? Yeah, so they, they actually have a, a team um, help you with the whole setup process. And, you know, it, it is a lot of work initially. So you do have to... Um, you know, invest quite a bit of time up front, but once you have that up and running, you know, you can use it to its full potential. And we're not even 100% there yet, but they do have people that will walk you through all the steps, help you with all the integrations, with all your tools, and they'll teach you how to use the software and they'll, they'll train your team or your um, admin staff on how to do certain tasks as well. So, your virtual assistants, yeah. right? Absolutely. <laughs> how, yeah. much, how much does Sisu cost? Um, I think we're paying about, so for, we have, we're at about $1,800 per quarter. It's not cheap, uh, but if you, it's a lot cheaper than hiring a CFO or uh, a data analyst or something like that. So to piecemeal all the tools together, uh, it, it just wouldn't even be possible, but it, it really allows us to be, to hone in on areas that, uh, we need to focus on in our business and it, it's, it's definitely worth every penny. Yeah. I'm very interested. And I think that, you know, $1,800 a quarter may sound like a lot, but I think the alternative, a lot of times when you're thinking about things like, can you afford not to, uh, if, if that is a piece of your business that maybe you're not tracking on your own and you may be lighting money on fire in ways that you're not realizing or going mm. after leads that just never convert and you're just wasting all this time. So having the systems in place, even though they are so hard to set up up front, can just make your life so much better on the back end. Absolutely. So Philip, we have talked about the operational side of getting the virtual assistant set up in your business. We've talked about tracking the conversions in the lead generation in your business. And you also mentioned having insight on how to use your vendors that these agents are, you know, talking to consistently and bring them a lot of business. So what, what is some advice that you would give to agents to capitalize on those vendor relationships? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's an area where uh, agents don't realize how much revenue they're generating for all their all the ancillary services. And uh, once you have a better understanding of that, you'll realize, you know, that those partnerships are crucial in your growth, right? Because there's more revenue than just your commission check. And if you really understand that concept, then you'll be able to scale your business a lot faster. For one, we have a about a hundred thousand dollars Zillow budget. And I'm sure there's teams that have far more than that and people that have a lot less, but half of it is paid through our mortgage partner. So, you know, that's let's say that's fifty thousand dollars that would have otherwise had to come out of, you know, agents commission, right? So it allows us to be more profitable. It allows us to be able to invest in other areas to support our agents. Uh, and that's a, that's an opportunity that you shouldn't overlook. And we also not only do we get fifty thousand dollars in uh, contribution from our lender partners, but we this year already year to date we've done over a hundred thousand dollars in business just from the referrals. So you that know they awesome. they send business back to us and they contribute on our marketing costs, and we get different vendors to contribute in different areas because of RESPA laws and things like that. One of the one of the things that every any agent can do is you can get different vendors to contribute to events and be co-sponsors of events, whether it's a client appreciation event or events to attract more agents. Um, that's another thing that you can take advantage of. But there's a lot of creative ways. Um, I heard of agents that do a lot of farming that get uh, different vendors who contribute to the marketing costs on, on that as well. So there's a lot of creative ways to... Um, capitalize on that. And if you're a team owner and you're not making these partnerships, you're really doing a disservice to your agents, right? Because you're just relying solely on their revenue that they're generating um, to run your business. So. A quick word on our toolbox. We know it can be overwhelming thinking about all of the systems you want to build into your business. And that is why we ask guests to submit their favorite checklist, template, or tracker so you don't have to build from the ground up. Go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com and click toolbox for your free access. Thanks so much. What does the conversation look like? For your Zillow partner, your mortgage partner, who's paying half of that $100,000 budget. How did that conversation play out? Well, we didn't start with, hey, pay $50,000. Now it's, it's a lot more than that because we made another partnership just last week and we made a commitment to spend $60,000 uh, up front per year. And then our lender partner is, is contributing half of that. So it's similar to a Zillow. But the first thing that happens is you look at your last 12 months, right? And how many loans did you refer out to them or could you have referred out to them? And, and that's going to add to, you know, your projections as well. So if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to have a $10,000 Zillow budget, you're going to estimate, Hey, based on typical conversion ratios, we'll probably generate X amount of buyer deals, and you'll probably be able to capture X percentage. And you have to have an understanding of how much the lender is able to earn off of that business and, and work out a, a deal that's fair. Uh, in our market, with, with our price points, uh, you know, I would probably say that, you know, 
the Zillow leads that convert itself. It might not be enough to support that type of a budget. However, we give them all our other business as well, and they make a lot more because of that. So it's a true partnership, right? If they partner with us, we do everything we can to support their business and vice versa. Okay. I think that's smart about the looking back at your 12 past 12 months, projecting ahead, and then calculating their potential earnings from this partnership. Mm -hmm. So it's like very clear as what's in it for them. Um, Okay. And you said it didn't start out that way. So that initial conversation, is it like a test run? You're just like, Hey, you know, if we partner in this or what does it look like? Yeah. I mean, well, you just start at a smaller scale and then you just scale up continuously. Right. So, uh, you know, our, our current marketing budget is over double what it was last year, just to give you an example. What is your current marketing budget? So currently our marketing budget is probably, and I would include some of the software that we utilize as part of that, like our website and things like that. And it's approaching about $200,000, including our ISA, all our lead sources. uh, We're at about $200,000 per year. Okay. And you guys are on track to bring in, I know you're, yeah. How much are you on track to bring in? Year to date, we did about 50 million in business. Yeah, just a a few dollars. is, (laughs) Is there. For sure. And I think that's really important. Because I don't believe that most agents out there, at least when they're starting out, don't have a marketing budget and don't think mm-hmm. in the terms of, you know, I need to spend in order to build this brand or generate the business that can turn into mm-hmm. repeat down the road and expand over time. So I think it's really cool that you have a marketing budget and um, down to the dollar know what that entails. No, absolutely. And if you don't have a budget, there's there's really two ways to go. There's some there's some episodes that you guys aired with some great ideas. I mean, the YouTube one recently, I thought that was a uh, you know re- really well done, and his story is amazing. And uh, that's something that a new agent could really relate to and resonate with, and put yourself in the position of a new home buyer. But understand, you know, what your market consists of. Like, where are the transactions happening? Whether you're in a hot market or a slow market, I think that's something that every agent really needs to reflect on at least twice per year. And based upon that, we will we will gear our marketing towards that as well. So in our market, it could be a lot different from where you're located. For us, we're targeting a lot of baby boomers who who are who don't care about the interest rates. They want to sell their house and go to Florida or wherever it is. So we just need to get in front of them or the buyers who can actually afford to purchase. So uh, whatever those means, wherever those people are, you want to get in front of them. So just be cognizant of your market and, and the demographics and where the transactions are happening. How did you find out that your market right now that you wanted to be targeting these baby boomers? Well, I mean, I was a solo agent, right? So I wanted listings and you, you you understand that at first there was a lot of things that I was doing that wasn't working because it was just what I wanted to do. Like everyone has that creative side of them. And I realized, no, this is a business. It's not, it's not an art form. This is a business. Who's my target audience and how do I get in front of them? And I, and majority of the listings that I was getting were these baby boomers. So you know, everything was geared towards resonating with them. 
not what I wanted to put out into this world. So I think that's, that's a mistake that a lot of people make, including myself. And the faster you correct that, the more success you'll have. Is that one of the factors that you think contributes to the fact that your team is up? I, th- I think you guys are up 50% this year while the rest of your market is down 33%. Is that correct? Yeah, our market is down 33% in transaction volume and our team will double in production. But the number one reason to that is if you're a team owner, uh, you, you just have to add agents onto the team, right? That's that's going to be the number one re- way to scale your business. And you just have to have a business model and a financial model that works. So, you know, once you have that, then all you have to do is add fuel to the fire and, and, and the thing will grow rapidly. And looking ahead, what's the next piece of the puzzle that you're trying to attack? So for us, it's it's bringing on more 18 players. Next year, we'll, pro- we'll be at 25 agents. We'll end the year around $200 million in, in volume because we know exactly what our business model looks like. Up until this year, I didn't have that. I was just, hey, how do we go out there and do deals? And uh, you know, with the right coaching and mentors, I was able to figure out uh, what my business model is, even though it's not exactly what theirs may look like. Uh, you know, I took the pieces that really were missing and um, now, you know, it's just off to the races. What coaches and mentors, is it something out there that anyone could look into or is it just the Philip opportunity? Oh no, it's open to everybody. So number one, the the new brokerage that I, I joined really put me in proximity with some people who are doing amazing things. I know one of those people are going to be on the show. I saw him on the uh, on the Google Drive, right? So he's I'm sure he's going to deliver a great episode. But the brokerage allowed me to just be in proximity with a lot of great people and. Uh, be have exposure to how they were doing business. Because in our local market, top agents sell 20, 30, 40 houses a year, maybe 50 homes. And once I hit that point, you know, there was very little motivation for me to go beyond that because I didn't think it even existed. Whereas you're going to have people on the show that are um, doing selling five running teams selling 500 homes a year. And uh, I was able to see exactly how they do that. The coaches that you asked. So I'm part of uh, the WGR mastermind with Colton Lindsay. And I'm also, I bought some courses from my mentor, Spring Bankson and her business partner, partner, Justin Nelson. They're phenomenal. I mean, I would recommend them to anybody. So depending on what you're looking to do and what areas that you need to grow your business, I would recommend that you find a mentor for that. I think the common mistake is, uh, Agents look for just accountability, but there's a lot more to it if you want to grow. For sure. Okay, Philip, any parting words of wisdoms or things that we didn't cover before we head up into a couple of wrap-up questions? Yeah, I mean, can I share two things? Please. So, yeah, number one, all the success in the world is on the other side of your limiting beliefs and your fears. So on the other side of that is you know, all the success in the world, you can achieve anything. And uh, as far as your, the second one item goes is just invest in yourself, right? The more you invest in yourself, the more you're going to reap and the more you'll be able to pour onto others. And the more you do that, the more you're going to grow and have, have a ton of success. So, and, and those are my parting words, invest in yourself. Yes. 
Love it. Okay, Philip, where are what events are you going to this year? So if someone's listening, they want to hang out with you, where are you going to be in person, if anywhere? So in person this year, I'm going to be the next one I'm going to be at will be at the the one real event, right? So it's our brokerage event. Um, I know you guys are having the event in Austin. I wanted yes. to ask about that. So that's a, that's one that I definitely like to would like to attend. Nothing else in the horizon for the time being, but things come up and I'm, I'm pretty spontaneous. So, uh, and I'll you know. see about the, the Rockstars one is it's technically sold out. Um, but I'll talk to Aaron and see if, you know, maybe someone ends up not being able to come and we can, we can get you in there. Uh, that'll be pretty cool. Cool. Thank where you. can, where can listeners find you? Yeah. So you can, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's Philip King, uh, P H I L I P. And then K-A-N-G, the number eight, two at, and so that's my Instagram handle. Um, I also, on the free download, it, I included my contact information and I, I actually included a Calendly link. So if you have any questions about any of the topics that we discussed, you know, feel free to book a 15 minute call and be happy to help you out. Love it. And just a reminder, guys, you can send all of your referrals for the Fullerton, California, or really Southern California. Is that right, Philip? Yeah, we handle all of, uh, pretty much all of Orange County and parts of LA County and even a little part of Inland Empire. So if you have someone in SoCal, please run it by us. We'll, we'll take excellent care of them. Uh, we only work with the best agents. So, uh, really appreciate all the referrals coming in. Yes. Flood them with referrals and agents. If you are in that area and you are looking for a team, then hit Philip up and have a conversation about that. And guys, if you want to hang out with me and the owner of the show, we are The Shelby Show and Aaron Amuchastegui on the gram. Hit us up with feedback. We want to improve all the time. That is all we have for today. Philip, thank you so much for coming on the show and hanging out with us. Hey, thanks so much, Shelby. It was my pleasure. For sure. Okay, cool. Real Estate Rockstars, thanks for hanging. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.